Well, it's hard to believe that we are in part four of this Migrate Sex Life series. And if you're just new to the series, if today is your first Sunday, sorry. No, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, we have covered a lot of ground in this series over the last three weeks. And let me just encourage you, all of our messages are available online at nextlevelchurch.com. You really need to go back through and, and listen to these and get caught up because they lay such a, such a huge foundation for where we're headed today as well as the last two uh, weeks of this series in the coming Sunday. So uh, it's been amazing for us over these last few weeks to, to hear some of the amazing stories of, of what God's doing in single people, what God's doing in married people, and challenging each one of us as it relates to this, this thing called our sex life. I'm so excited that my wife Sarah is here with me again this week. We, we team teach about marriage and specifically sex in marriage. So, Sarah, welcome. Glad you're here. Come on, welcome, my wife. Morning, everybody. If you'll remember last week, if you were here, we talked a lot about how culture wants us to believe that marriage is boring and that sex is just a physical act and sometimes just a duty. And we talked about how God doesn't believe that. And we talked about the fact that sometimes it's easy to just kind of live unconsciously and uh, kind of drift toward mediocrity if our marriages are left uncared for. And the awesome thing that so many of us did last week was we started to get a dream for what our marriages and our sex lives could become and I know so many of you took last week and had conversations with each other you started dreaming about what your marriages and your sex lives could become so uh, this morning I want to first start by unpacking um, a, a concept that that I know is is key to this series and if you're if you've been around next level church for a while you know that uh, this is not going to be new information to you and, and it's this idea that regardless of the issue whether it's it's our an area of our personal finances or relationships or our marriage or or this issue of sex regardless of the issue here's the truth the truth is that every single one of us as human beings have have core beliefs those things deep down inside of us that we hold to be true about the issue. Again, maybe a financial issue or, or a relational issue, whatever the case may be, or, or this issue of sex. We have core beliefs deep down in our heart that we hold to be true. Those beliefs affect the decisions that we make about this area, this topic, this issue. From the decisions then come the outcomes in our life. The outcomes we get are based upon the decisions that we make and the decisions that we make are based upon these core beliefs that we believe and hold true in our hearts. So this, this morning, uh, and for this whole series, we knew that we didn't just want this series to be about the decision-making zone or the outcome zone of our sex lives. We knew that if, if all we did was talk about outcomes and decisions, that we'd never really do it justice. So our heart is, for this entire series and for last week and this week, is that we would drill down past the outcome zone of our life, the decision zone of our life, and see if we can get down into the core belief zone of our lives. See, we're not trying to give you 20 tips on how to have a great sex life, and I think a lot of people thought that maybe that's what the series was going to be about, but that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to dig down deep into the beliefs so that our outcomes might change. Let me illustrate this. If you have a core belief that sex is going to be boring in marriage or that it's just a duty or that it's just physical, then you will make decisions 
based on those core beliefs and you'll get the outcomes from those decisions and those beliefs. Well, let's flip it around. If you have a core belief that God created sex in marriage to be this amazing gift, then you will make decisions based on that and your outcomes will be far greater. So this morning, Sarah and I want to spend our time with you together drilling down into our hearts and examining some of those core beliefs that we believe to be true about marriage and about sex in marriage. So that's where we're going to spend the remainder of our time together today. Before we do that, let's pray together. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us and that your grace is sufficient for us. Lord, thank you that you're with us. And Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Father, for the person who's come in, whose defenses are up, whose guard is up, whose wall is up, who comes in with a skeptic's mind, Lord, I pray that you would just begin to break through those defenses. Jesus, we give you permission. We open up our hearts. We ask you to do what you want to do, what only you can do in us today. In Jesus' name and all across this room, everybody said, Amen. So here we go. Uh, Let's get at this. To have great sex in marriage, we must do five things. To have great sex in marriage, we must do five things. Number one, we must truly seek to know each other. We must truly seek to know each other. When we begin to study the Bible, here's this interesting thing. When we begin to study this, this issue of sex in the Bible, we realize that there's a differentiation that begins to happen. That, that the Bible talks about this idea that, that, uh, that, you know how maybe you've heard people talk about like to biblically, like to know someone in the Bible sense? Well, there's actually some truth to that. Check this out. In Genesis chapter 4, the first account of man and woman coming together, Adam and Eve, look at what it says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. It says this. It says, Adam made love to his wife, Eve. Or an, an older translation, English translation, would say this. Adam knew his wife, Eve. And many of us have heard that expression maybe growing up. We said to know someone in the biblical sense meant, meant this. And so here's this idea. Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain, their son. So watch this. When we go back to the original language, that word know, this idea that Adam knew Eve, is talking about a soul connection. It's talking about the two becoming one flesh. It's talking about this, this intimate thing that we've been talking about, that sex is, is, that God created it to be, in marriage. Now watch. Contrast these verses with the story of David and Bathsheba. David's adulterous affair. Look at what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 11. A little background information here. It says this. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Uh Uh-oh, David turned the other way. Look, keep reading. It says this. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. And then look. She came to him... And he slept with her. When you go back to the original language, here's what we begin to see. There is a different Hebrew word when it says that Adam knew Eve versus the word that says David slept with Bathsheba. The idea of sleeping together literally means two people lying next to one another. But in Adam and Eve's case, in the Genesis account, the word no 
is this soul connection that we're talking about. So watch this. If we're going to have great sex in our marriages, then number one, we've got to truly seek to know each other. Here's the point. Married sex is way more than physical. As we talked about in the single life message two weeks ago, it's about a soul connection. It's about the two becoming one flesh. That's right. See, anyone can have physical sex. And even in our marriages, we can have just physical sex, but it takes something far greater to truly know each other, like this Genesis account describes. I have a friend who's actually a pastor's wife, and she calls me one day, and she's like, you are not going to believe this conversation I had. I said, well, what, what? She said, so my friend comes to me and is kind of saying, okay, I've got, uh, I've got kind of like this really cool happy sex life and she says well is we're like hey we're doing my friend's doing a series about that actually <laughs> Sorry. we're like we don't use the word crappy <laughs> no anyway so she says I've, I've really got a crappy sex life and she says to my friend I don't know what to do about it I know my husband and I are just you know we're just kind of just boring and whatever so my friend says like a, any good pastor's wife would well you know tell me kind of tell me about your sex life you know just hey, tell me what you know what kind of happens so my friend kind of you know, says that her friend just starts to tell her about some of the details of their sex life. And uh, in the middle of it, she says, well, you know, and I usually like to watch TV. Um, my friend was like, what do you mean, what, what do you mean TV? And she's like, well, you know, like Jeopardy. And my friend... <laughs> I'll take sex for 400, Alex. <laughs> what? My friend is like, you watch Jeopardy while you have sex? And she's like, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm there, whatever. And, I mean, we're all like that. you know. So, of course, my friend's calling me. You're, Can you believe this? She's like, what do I tell her? Well, first, turn off the TV. Let's just start with that. So, anyway, so my friend, of course, laughs about this. And we all, we all can get a kick out of it because that's the extreme. But isn't it true in our marriages that we can physically be there but not really be there. And in our marriages, if we're going to seek to know each other, it has to go way beyond this idea of sleeping together. So let's make this personal real fast. Those of us who are married and listening today, are we just sleeping together in our marriages? Or do we truly know each other like God describes in Genesis? That we can know each other. Number two, if we're going to have great sex in marriage, then we've got to truly seek to know ourselves. Where does this kind of soul connection that we're talking about, that we're describing today, where does this kind of soul connection begin? It starts with us as individuals. See, watch. The the tendency is, as human beings, that when you enter into a conversation like this today, and maybe some of us right now are, are doing this, the tendency for us is to want to fix or change or think about our spouse, right? Like right now, some husbands are sitting there, I bet, and you're like going, how can I elbow her? So they, or like, what? Same thing. You're thinking, are you hearing this? Right? And, and the tendency for us is to want to project it onto our spouse and go, I hope they're listening. That's, that's, the, that's the tendency. But here's the thing. If we're truly going to know each other, like the Bible talks about as possible in a marriage context, then we've got to start with us. We've got to start here. In order for us to fully be there with our spouse, then we've got to be secure in our understanding of who we are. Yeah, and that really begins with looking inward. And there are so many of us today that when I say that, that actually scares you. 
But here's the deal. We all have insecurities, don't we? Each one of us carries some kind of an insecurity into our marriages and ultimately into our sex lives. And for us to really grasp this idea of a soul connection begins with looking inward. For some of us, we have past relationships that we're carrying into our marriages and into our sex lives. These past relationships, sometimes maybe you can't mentally get beyond them. There's something that has gotten stuck in your mind. Maybe you had someone cheat on you. Maybe you were the cheater. And you carry that into your marriage. For some of us, it's shame. And we let shame come into our sex lives and into our marriages. Maybe from abuse. Maybe from rape. Statistics would tell us that one in five of us in this room today were sexually abused. And we would be naive to think that that does not affect us today. For some of us, it's fear. You have thoughts like this. What will he think? Am I good enough? Will she really want me? And you let that fear drive you in your sexual relationships and in your marriages. For some people, you have secrets. There are hidden sins in your life that your spouse knows nothing about. And if you think that those hidden sins don't affect your relationships, that would be naive. And so for some of us, we have hidden sins. Some, some of us, it's sexual hidden sins, and some of us, it's other hidden sins. And our spouse knows nothing about them. And we're carrying that with us. And we need to begin to look inward at ourselves. For some of us, it's our upbringing. And you were told as a child or as a teenager that sex was bad. For some of us women, you had mothers tell you that sex was dirty and that it was wrong and that it should be avoided. You never had anyone tell you that it could be amazing in marriage. For some of us, we had a church. We had someone in our church or in our youth ministry actually convey the idea that sex was dirty and that it was bad. And we are bringing that upbringing into our marriages today, and we might not even know it. So we have to begin to look inward in order for our sex lives to be great. So we've got to know each other. We've got to seek to know ourselves. Third, if we're going to have great sex in marriage, I think we've got to truly seek to engage our sex lives. Plain and simple, married people, it's got to be a priority for us. It's got to go way beyond just a duty. It's got to go way beyond just an afterthought. It's got to go way beyond just one more thing on our to-do list. Listen, our sex life has to be as big of a priority in our lives as everything else in our lives. Kids, home, career, financial goals, little league soccer. Our sex life has got to be a priority. And I know all the men are like, amen. You want to say it right now, don't you? They're like, I've never said it in church, but I'm going to say it right now. We're not a big amen church, but can I get an amen? Thank you. But listen, here's the deal, ladies. I know how it is. Believe me. I know because that sounds good. And on a Sunday morning, we can be like, yeah, I think that does that. That's right. That's right. But 
life happens, doesn't it? And you still have to make the kids the kids' lunches. You still have to get kids out of the door. You have to go to your jobs all day. You have to come home. You have to feed everybody. You got to do laundry. I mean, life happens. And at the end of the day, what sets in? Exhaustion. And so life happens. And yet, we need to make our sex lives a priority in our marriage. You know, I understand how it is. Um, at the end of the day, all you want to do is get on your pajamas. And when he asks you to get on the little black slinky thing, you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you went there. I did. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Let's stand. <laughs> Woo! Time's getting away. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. But nonetheless, (laughs) our sex lives need to be a priority. Now we can laugh about this, but here's the deal, women. We need to make our man feel like we want him. It's not just physical. And so we have to make him feel like he is the priority. Men, our wives need to know that we love her more than just in the bedroom. We must make her the priority. Not just sex with her as the priority. That's good. And women, this means that we cannot use sex for manipulation. I know that it's easy to do because sex is a powerful thing. Wow. We totally didn't see laugh coming there. (laughs) Let's pray. But it's true, and you know you can do it, and believe me, you do not want to use sex as a manipulation. Men, this means that we can't be divided in our attention toward our wife. If we're involved in thoughts, fantasies, or pursuits outside of the marriage design, as we're going to talk about next week, it will have an effect on our marriages. It will have an effect. On our marriages. Maybe you're sitting here today and some of this is like foreign language to you. You're listening to this and you're going, I, I guess I've never even thought about it that way. I guess I've never really engaged it like you're talking about me needing to engage and make my sex life and my marriage a priority. If that's the case, that's why we have a resource table, you guys, in the foyer. That's why we're, we're doing the books like For Men Only and For Women Only by Jeff and Shanti Feldman. Unbelievable books on talking about making your marriage and your sex life in marriage priority. you got to get those. The thought life thing, every man's battle, every woman's battle, they're at the table. That's why we're recommending these resources, you guys, because this is serious stuff. Let's don't be so naive as to say that our sex lives and our marriages aren't a huge, huge deal. So get, get the resources. That's good. So we not only need to know each other and to know ourselves and to engage in our sex lives, but we also must truly seek, number four, to let our spouse know us. And this is a bit of the communication piece in marriage. And in, in our sex lives, yeah, it might come down to desires, but I think that it goes way beyond that. See, if you hear nothing else that we say this morning, I hope that you'll tune in right here. Because what we're talking about is this. In every marriage, there comes a moment when you have exhausted all of the safe topics. This is why you see couples who are sitting in a restaurant, staring at one another, not talking about anything for like an hour, because in their marriage, they have exhausted all of the safe topics. What are the safe topics? Kids, calendar, career. And once we get to this moment, to this place, where we've exhausted all of the safe topics, 
then in that moment, we have an option. We have a choice. And the choice is to risk disclosure. But it requires, here's the word, risk. Risk in our marriages. To risk disclosure with one another. To move beyond all of the safe topics in our marriage and actually drill down and begin to let that other person in your marriage know and see who you are. But watch, I I know what this is. Because with, with risk comes the risk of rejection. That when we take a risk and risk disclosure with our spouse, that in that moment... rejection from the person whose opinion matters the most in the world to us becomes a live option. And for some of us, we have lived our entire marriages fearing rejection. And consequently, we've never risked disclosure. But watch this. If we can push through this as a married couple and we get to a place where we're willing to risk disclosure and risk rejection, the end result, which we believe is the sweet spot of marriage, is vulnerability. That is the sweet spot of our marriage. Just watch this. Go back to what we said just a couple of minutes ago. That if we can truly begin to seek to know ourselves, And then take that a second step. The second part of that then is to let our spouse begin to know us as well. That in that place of vulnerability, that is the sweet spot of marriage. It's good to watch how all of this ties together. Because once we know ourselves, once we truly begin to know ourselves, then we can let ourselves be known. Once we truly know ourselves, then we can begin to let ourselves be known. And until we take this step, until we take the step of really knowing ourselves and letting ourselves be known, I believe that we will never experience the outcome that God desires for our marriages. I love the verse in Genesis where it says that the man and his wife, speaking of Adam and Eve, the man and his wife were naked and they felt no shame. I love, I love that Adam and Eve were naked, and yet they felt no shame. Married couples, isn't that the ultimate description of intimacy in our marriages on a sexual level? That we could be naked, and not just in the physical sense. I think that being naked and unashamed with your spouse goes way beyond the physical. And again, that's why we're not dealing with the outcomes or decision process. we got to drill down, you guys. we got to know this stuff. we got to get into our core beliefs about this issue. Why? Because until we're willing to know ourselves and let ourselves be known, we'll never experience everything God has for us in the sexual realm our marriages. It's just not possible to be naked and unashamed until we're willing to drill down. Number five, we need to truly seek to know God's heart for the sexual relationship. Let me say that again. We need to truly seek to know God's heart for the sexual relationship. When we went to do this series, we had a lot of people saying, Wow, okay, so you put the billboard up, but are you really going to talk about sex? And we were like, well, yeah. And what, was, what were so many people asking? They, behind the scenes, they were basically saying, well, what do the two have to do to, together? What, what does God and sex really have to do with each other? And our response was, you mean God, the creator of sex, 
Does he care about our sex lives? Absolutely. We believe that they have everything to do with each other. I love what Rob Bell says in his book that's at the resource table called Sex God. Um, matter of fact, here's a quote. Look at this quote. This is, this is a quote from Rob Bell's book. He says this, Sex, God, they are connected and they can't be separated. Where the one is, you will always find the other. And then he says of his own book, this is a book about how sexuality is the this and spirituality is the that. To make sense of the one, we have to explore the other. See, sex in marriage is a picture of the intimacy possible between us as human beings and God. Did you know that one definition of the word worship actually means to kiss toward. It's a sexual expression. How cool is that? That, that this, this sex and marriage thing is actually a picture of the intimacy between mankind and God. That the two have everything to do with one another. But you know what? Culture doesn't tell us that, do they? Culture doesn't tell us that. No, culture tells us that sex is just physical, that it's just something to do, it's just animalistic drive, that, that it's, just, it's just sex. And yet God says in His Word, no, it is way, way more than that. Perhaps that's why Satan fights so hard to pervert sexuality in our world today. Because he knows that if he can get us to view sexuality in a corrupt way, will begin to view God in a corrupt way. So what's our heart for this series? What's our heart for these two weeks where we've done some team teaching on sex and marriage? Our heart is this. We hope that this series will be a door opener for many of us. There's no shame in seeking out a counselor. If you're listening to some of this today and, and you're going, man, I, I know I've got some junk to unpack in, in my life. I, I, know that, I know that we've got some junk to unpack in our marriage. We've got to deal with this stuff. Listen, there's no shame in seeking out a counselor. Again, let's not be so naive as to think that this topic of sex in our marriages is not a complex subject. This is a huge deal in our marriages. What's worse, to admit that we don't have it all figured out or to keep pretending we do and keep waking up in a marriage dissatisfied with regret and disappointment. So hopefully these conversations that we're having with you over these six weeks during this series will be a door opener for you and your spouse in your marriage. So in conclusion, in order to have great sex in our marriages, we need to figure ourselves out. And we need to let ourselves be known. We need to let our spouse in on the journey. So what's our next step? For some of us, it's as simple as just having a conversation with your spouse. And maybe some of you today will just go home and say, honey, that's me. I've kind of bought into the lie of culture, and I want to start changing that. Let's, Let's change our relationship. Maybe it's talking to a friend. Maybe it's seeking out a counselor. And let me just say this, if if that sounds scary or overwhelming, I don't know where to start, email the office. We will get you headed in the right direction. We will make sure that you get the help that you need because we believe that your marriages 
will be changed if you do. What's your next step toward that vulnerability? And let me just say this. If all of this seems overwhelming, just go to our God in heaven who loves and cares for us. And he is going to wrap his arms around you. And you can pray to him and you can say, God, I don't know where to start. I don't know what my next step. But God, give me direction. Show me where I need to take my next step. We've got to invite God's heart into the marriage relationship. And I think that looks like really engaging our marriage relationships with an understanding that God wants amazing things in our marriages and in our sex lives in our marriages. So our desire in this whole deal is that our beliefs would begin to be changed to such a degree that we would eventually get outcomes that would far surpass anything that we could ever imagine. Let's go back to the verse that we talked about last week from Ephesians that says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all you and I can ask or imagine, not according to our power or our our strength, but according to his power that's at work within us. God wants us to begin to dream immeasurably more for our marriages than we've ever even thought was possible. And that's our desire, that we would drill down, begin to change the beliefs, challenge the beliefs, make different decisions, and get different outcomes in our lives. Let's pray together today. Heavenly Father, all across this room and all across... The country and the world as people are listening over the internet. Father, we just invite you in. Lord, we understand that this hasn't been just a super duper rah-rah message. But God, we understand that this has been hard-hitting stuff. And Father, I pray that hundreds and hundreds of marriages listening today would be challenged to the core of what we believe about this issue in our marriage. Father, we are not content to just keep having mediocre marriages. Lord, I pray that you would speak to wives today. I pray that you would speak to husbands today. That we would become the men and women of God that we need to be in our marriages. That we would drill down and have the courage to drill down and truly begin to know ourselves and unpack this stuff going on in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to get vulnerable with our spouse. That we would risk rejection. We would risk disclosure we would truly begin to know ourselves, we begin to let ourselves know. Father, most of all, we invite you in to our marriage relationships because we know that it is you and by your power that we are able to, to do and become immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. So, Father, we pray this now in Jesus' name. And everybody across the room said, Amen. Amen.